Well, hello. Just wanted to make a little bit of an announcement prior to next week's episode. So next week's episode is going to be a little bit different. Max and I disagree quite quite a lot um, on Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. So what we've decided to do is, is make an audio commentary track to go along with the movie so you can watch it along with us as we argue about it. I know, that sounds pretty great. So... Um, if you want to do that with us, get Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom somehow. We're both. Well, I'm watching it on Cinemax. He's watching it on Hulu. And um, we are going to tell you as we're doing it, the episode starting, um, where to start the movie um, and how to follow along with us to make sure we're watching all everything at the same pace. Uh, but we just wanted to warn you before uh, next week's episode hit that uh, you had just a little bit of homework to do. So Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom next week. If you don't care to join us for that, then skip it and we'll just see you the week after that. And have a great day and enjoy the show. So I've been rewatching um, all of the Marvel movies. So during the quarantine, I've decided since I'm so bored, I will uh, watch all the Marvel movies. You know, Aaron, only boring people are bored. That's true. Well, I'm definitely sometimes boring. That's, <laughs> that's no question about that. I very much so like to lay in bed and watch TV. <laughs> that's, <laughs> and that's it. Sometimes. Not an exciting person always. Um, I, I've, I've really... So... I didn't really like Marvel. If you listen to our episode about the decade, you kind of got an idea of um, how much I disliked Marvel in the mid tens. Mm-hmm. Are we using that? How are we, how are we describing the tens? Are we saying the tens? I guess. I mean, what are the alternatives? I don't know. I, I, my favorites, the, the aughts. I like the aughts. Yeah. <laughs> Aughty. I do too. Ah, it's so good. I, I, I love being able to say that. Yeah. It really um, does kind of roll off the tongue. Yeah. I'm just going to say the tens then. The the early tens, middle tens, um, really honestly, up until Guardians of the Galaxy, I was I was pretty done with Marvel at that point. But For shame. after going back and watching all of them again, um, I'm up to Thor Ragnarok right now. Um, so I only mm-hmm. have like four movies left, so I'm kind of saving them because I kind of watch them <laughs> like <laughs> over like five days or four days. Mm-hmm. And um, I think I've been posting all my stuff on Twitter on all my thoughts on each movie. And uh, there's so many things that after you have seen the entire breadth of them and understand what happens in Infinity War and Endgame and Far From Home and kind of the like the last ones, mm-hmm. if you just I, I it's incredible. Like I have never been able to appreciate really. And I think it's an amazing thing to do is kind of watching them all in a short period of time. Because everything makes so much more sense cohesively mm-hmm. than seeing them two or three years apart. Yeah, um, it does. It really does. They are very well interwoven. It's it's the best series of... I mean, I can't argue that it's not the best collective series of movies out there ever. Like, as far as the way they've structured... Like, they have been able to structure so many good story contents and stretched it out over... And been so well at planning each little droplet and everything works yeah. together so well... There's not very many plot holes. Um, it's awesome. They're they're really amazing, and um, it took me a while to figure that out. Yeah. Uh, 
Which movie was it that kind of broke the spell for you? Uh, like Winter like, Soldier. What, what? <laughs> Disenchanted you? Winter Soldier disenchanted me a lot. Okay, and then what movie? What movie sort of flicked the light back on and, and drew you back? Um, Guardians of the Galaxy for a okay. bit. Um, Doctor Strange. When the first time I watched it was okay. I love Doctor Strange now. I, mm-hmm. uh, it's there's so many it's cool really things good. in Doctor Strange. There's a part where he's driving where he gets in a car accident, mm-hmm. and Doctor Strange happens after Civil War, and somebody is asking him who he wants to operate on, mm-hmm. and they're giving him patience, and he says there's a 38 year old male who yeah. has a lacerated spine yep. from an experimental suit, and that's Rhodes, Rhodey. Yep. And in earlier in um. Uh, Shield, uh, Civil War, Civil War, Winter Soldier is when they have the insight, mm-hmm. I think, and they're going to be killing all of the people who could be potentially dangerous. Mm-hmm. I think that happens in Winter Soldier. Um, they talk about Stephen yeah. Strange, yeah, a little bit. There's mm-hmm. just so many droplets of little things that make the world really connected. That if you're not paying attention, you won't catch. Mm-hmm. And I, I really, really like that about it. And I think the only way, unless you're really Unless you have a better memory than I do or much smarter than I am, you're not able you may not be able to pick those up over a period of fifteen years. Yeah. Or twelve yeah. years. Yeah. It it makes them infinite it makes them much more rewatchable. Yeah. And and it's it's amazing. It's really cool. I really, really like it. And I think it may be my memory. Um, that's disservicing me, but I think Disney Plus has added some scenes to all of the movies. Really? So there's some stuff in there that I'm watching. Like, I don't remember seeing this, but a lot of those movies I only watched once. So yeah, I feel like, I feel like there would be more outcry if that were true. I haven't heard anything about that. Yeah, I haven't either. And I feel like that would have been something because there mm-hmm. was a ton of outcry because star Wars, a new hope added one more little tiny thing on Disney plus before, uh, Disney is great. <laughs> oh gosh. I just, let me tell you something. I love, I, I really dislike a lot of the times when people go back and make changes to their original content, but mm-hmm. we're at a point now where I'm over it. And I think it's just really funny when George just started, decides to keep changing things mm-hmm. and just kind of like a, a small, like screw you to like everybody who's complaining about his visions and stuff. Yeah. It's great. You know, um, I mean, the, what he, what he changed was awful and it's terrible in the new hope. Uh, Greedo says McClunky before he shoots Han <laughs> or tries to shoot Han. Oh my gosh. It's awful. It's so bad. But like, it's, I just can't do anything but laugh at it. You know, mm-hmm. at this point, you're like, I just don't care anymore. You know, it's just do what you want to your movies. They're your movies. You know, yeah, like, that's smart. I think it's, it's a really, it's a good way to approach it in general. It's like, you just, they're his, they're his franchise. And yeah. there are franchise too. And there is ownership in, in being an audience member for such a long running franchise. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, it's not yours. And yeah. that's that's something that I think is really hard when it becomes so culturally enmeshed mm-hmm. in people's lives. Well, and that's why I fell away from Marvel, right? And that's the exact reason, because I was mm-hmm. so just like, I didn't like what they did in Winter Soldier at all, mm-hmm. you know? And I get it now. I kind of understand it better now than I did before. But like when they were doing like, that's an amazing movie. It's probably going to be my top like three or four movies. It's probably going to be my top five. The soundtrack is really impressive. It's so too. good. Yeah. Um, but just the reason I didn't like it very much. And I thought it was just kind of bull at the beginning. I was just like, well, the shield is falling. And from the last several movies, shield has been what all of the Avengers have been working under and yeah. working for and towards. And like, it's a good thing. 
And then you find out, spoiler alert, Hydra's running S.H.I.E.L.D. And then S.H.I.E.L.D. falls and all this crap goes down and only Captain America and Black Widow care about it. That was my big concern with it. I was just like, well, why does nobody else care that this is happening? Yeah. Like, wouldn't Iron Man come in a little bit to help? But no, I watched it again. It wouldn't make sense at all. Like, he's not like that yet. He's like, at that point in his life, Iron Man is not a lay his life down for somebody and help. No, he's still deeply selfish. Like, yeah, absolutely. And that's why it's so important that it is Cap's fight is because it's an ideological fight. Right. And he's the only one prepared to shoulder that responsibility at that point in the story arc. Yep. Everybody. I used to be a, I used, uh, I still don't know who I'm team. Um, I'm, I don't know if I'm team Iron Man or team Cap on Civil War. Oh yeah, I know. I'm, I'm, I'm definitely Cap because they, yeah. they, there's that quote. I think, um, ethical relativity is relative itself, right? Because right. you, you know, it's like there are some fundamental truths that I think most humans can agree on, no matter what the culture or background. Like, don't murder each other. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Like, well, there's I mean, foundational I, stuff that you can agree on. And and if someone, you know, for the better, for the greater good, if someone tells you to murder somebody or whatever, like you should be willing to stand up to that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I definitely agree. I think the reason civil war is so good though, is because neither one of them is a hundred percent right and a hundred percent wrong. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, 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 and moral, morally gray conversations really do, um, do you have more impact? Yeah. And, and I just, I love the fact that Iron Man was ready to just go in there and settle with Cap and do his thing and make sure everything gets straight. And then he finds out that big piece of information about Winter Soldier. And then he just goes like, it's awesome. I think mm-hmm. they did such a good job of showing emotions in that. Yeah. And um, it's very humanizing to understanding like it, you've got the greater image, you know, of, of relative good and ideological battle. But then you've also got these deeply human characters who are trying to do what they think is right for themselves and yeah. the people they love, which is cool too. And to see those things warring against, each other in those characters is very gratifying. Yep. yep. I kind of love it now. Oh yeah. No, it's, them. it's incredible. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I was, so I, I've come around to liking every single one of the movies now. Yeah. I think I, I've been rating them out of stones. Oh, the best thing has been happening on Twitter. So I have a really good friend who has been putting a gif next to all of my, um, um, ratings. She's mm-hmm. just been placing one from the movie after every single time I say something. <laughs> So I started rating her gifts the way I've been rating my movies. <laughs> and we just have these long discussions about why her gifts are not good or why they're great. It's That's awesome. Um, yeah, it, it's, it was, it was pretty cool. Um, I'm really excited to get into Thor and um, Black Panther in the last few movies. Um, yeah. I haven't touched Infinity War. I haven't seen Endgame since the, I watched it in the theaters. I've only seen it once. Yeah. Um, I'm really excited to see both of those. I think I'm going to put them off until I have like a nice like night to myself, just to like maybe pour a little bourbon, Binge it. drink a little, drink a little bourbon, yeah. and um, watch six hours because I kind of want to watch them back to back. Yeah, yeah, I and think just, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, because there's a lot of moving pieces in both of those films. There are, um, and I, I am, I am preparing a a uh, list in my head about the rankings of all the movies. And I mm-hmm. think Endgame will probably be not in the top half. Really? Yeah. I'm a pretty big proponent that Endgame is just, it's an okay movie, but the reason it's so 
like everyone loves it so much. It's one of those things that we were talking about the other day about it being good versus it being popular. Yeah. Like I think it's I think it's a good movie. It's okay. If you look at it outside of what it, everything like the magic of that is just fan service, but it's yeah. really good, well-earned fan service. Well so I executed. love it. Yeah. Absolutely love it. But I don't think it's as good of a movie as Infinity War by far. And I don't think it's as good a movie as probably half of them out there. Um, yeah. But it's still incredible what it did. Like, Well, I'm just in general, I'm not a huge fan of time travel as like right. a vehicle for anything. Right. So like if, if you're going to do a story about time travel, like you're opening up such a can of worms that if you don't keep it very, very simple um it gets to be like just absolutely ridiculous yeah i kind of like what they did with time travel um to be honest i thought it was pretty good and it made sense in the marvel universe yeah it's i mean it, it feel it felt very comic booky yes um which, which the movie's dark yeah which was hard for me because yeah. I, it, it felt disjointed you, you know it was like movie, go watch spider-man one two and three yeah. from the 2000s no the original spider-man yeah, Tobey Maguire. Yeah, yeah, those yeah. ones. Tobey Maguire. Yeah. I'm sorry. Those are comic book movies. Marvel movies are co- are movies based on comic book characters. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't mean to cut you off. I'm sorry, man. No, that's fine. Finish your I, thought. I don't even. I don't even remember what I was saying. Yeah, um, it was. It was. Di- they were disjointed. Um, yeah. And Endgame to me felt. It also felt too busy. Like yes. it felt like they were trying to get so many cool moments in that yes. it just felt cramped. And that's kind of what I was talking about. Is Endgame has really cool moments and really mm-hmm. awesome fan servicey things that I and love. also a lot of angsty conversation. Yes, yeah. Like my dad, you know, my dad is a huge like old school action film guy. Like explosions and car chases, awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, and he didn't like Infinity War or Endgame because it's like it's a bunch of people standing around in spandex being angsty. And then there's these huge CGI fights where you can barely follow what's going on. Yeah. And then it's more angst. And then it's big fights where you can barely follow what's going on. And then it's yeah. over. And I was like, yep. yep. <laughs> and if you I, don't care about any of those characters outside of the movies, it's really difficult to it is. give a crap. Oh, absolutely. Infinity War is not a movie you want to go to for the first one you've seen. Yeah. Um, no, not at all. Um, I love Infinity War, as, as we know, on my, my Decades podcast. <laughs> Oh, anyways, um, well, this movie is about over and um, we need to get to it. We, we need to get to what I'm watching because because it's close. It's almost over. And this right. is what I wanted you to guess. All right. All right. All right. Let's do it. So um, we need to get into this. Everybody. I'm going to go ahead and break protocol immediately um, and say and go ahead and ask this week. Um, what is Aaron watching is the game. I'll uh, right. I guess we should introduce it. I'm just really excited to get started. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm excited too. What am I watching? I think is the official title. Um, uh, Max is trying to guess what I'm watching. It's an incredibly difficult game. He does a really good job. And um, I adore this movie. It's been determined a few episodes ago that I'm going to give you, whether it's a movie or a TV show. Mm -hmm. It's a movie. And... um, Max gets to ask five questions, two clues, and two guesses, and then we may flip a coin for to see if he gets the third guess. You know, <laughs> we'll determine it. All right. See if it goes. So I'm I'm going to break protocol. Normally, I start asking questions first to narrow things down. I'm going to go ahead and ask for a clue first. Excellent. This cl- this movie is oh gosh, I had so many good clues. Um, 
Okay. Let me see if this helps. This movie is set. Well, I'm not going to say set. It is typically watched during a certain time of the year. And there are three major franchises that have been going on for a long time. And it's part of one of those. Is it a Muppet Christmas Carol? It's not, but that's a good guess. Okay. I will say for 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 freebie that you are in the wrong holiday. <laughs> is it live action? Yes, it is. Uh, is it made after the year 2000? No, well before 2000. Is it a movie that was made for TV? No, it was not. At least not that I know of. It wasn't alive when it was made, so okay. I doubt that this was made for... No, this was definitely a theatrical release. This movie's awesome. It's, it's well known. All right, give me another clue. Okay, so... I don't know how well you are in movie history, but I like this clue a lot. The main actor, and I'm using that as I always do, where it's an actor, so it could be a man or a woman. Mm-hmm. And Good for you. Um, the main actor in this movie's mother was the female lead of Psycho in the 60s or whenever that came out. There are a lot of clues wrapped up in that one clue. Uh-huh. Is it science fiction? It's definitely not science fiction, but there are some unreal elements to it, as most of these movies kind of have. I don't know where you're at with your, your guesses or anything. I'm just going to kind of keep... That was four. Okay. That was question number four. I've made one guess and used yeah. up both. So I have both one clues. more question and one more guess. Yeah. Gosh, this game is so hard. Yeah, this this week particularly, I didn't do a good job of narrowing down fast enough. Yeah. And I am in I am in the deep water now. So is deep it water. Is it the sandlot? No. It's not. That's I don't think you're focusing two. enough on the on the first clue. Oh, well that's the, your last guess. Yeah. You could have That's asked it. another question. I right? could have. Yeah, I could have. Okay. I was just I was just ready to okay. hit the eject button. This week was a bad one. I was in a nosedive. <laughs> I'm just going to give up right spin. now. Yeah. Okay. I apologize, everybody. So the holiday around this is fall and Halloween. So it's one of the big three. It's either Halloween, Friday the 13th, or Nightmare on Elm Street. And it's the original Halloween. Oh, man. That's my favorite horror movie of all time. It's so good. It's so good. Yeah. I just love that he made suburbia scary. Yes. Like, on yeah. a bright fall day, you know, with all these nice houses, the sound mm-hmm. of leaves crinkling in the wind is creepy. Yeah. <laughs> like, and it shouldn't be. It should be so wholesome and comfy. So I love that movie for I that do reason. Too. And I was just the, like that first scene, the opening scene is just like a continuous shot. It's so good. Yeah. No, it's, it is really, really good. Um, I, uh, 
I was watching Friday the 13th part seven earlier today. Mm -hmm. And then I watched My Bloody Valentine. Nice. That was that was a ridiculous movie. The movie's great. I need to watch it again because I got really busy at work um, right when like all the killings started to happen. So I missed a lot of the good killings. <laughs> That's the one with Jensen Ackles, right? From uh, Supernatural? Oh, well, okay. My Bloody Valentine, I'm, I'm watching the 1981 version. Oh, okay. The, they, they did a remake with Jensen yes. Ackles. Yeah, yes, yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. I so haven't I'm seen the original. Have you seen the, you've not seen it? No, I haven't seen the original. Dude, it's awesome. Put it on your list. Okay. It's uh, great. It, it we'll go on the list. There is a scene where somebody gets killed by pushing her head through a shower head and then the water comes out of her mouth. Oh no. It's awesome. Oh no. <laughs> it's so cool. It's one of those movies that's not necessarily uh, gory or bloody. It's just kind of atmospherically cool and scary. Yeah, that's great. I love yeah. it, and it's kind of weird and wild. It's it's awesome. Creepy atmosphere by itself is enough to sell me on anything. Really. Yeah, it's great. It's I have a really I have a good friend who who is a huge horror fan, and he um it's one of his favorite movies. Yeah. Uh, and so anytime he tells me that like this is one of his favorite horror movies, I'm like all right, I gotta watch. It's gotta be. I gotta good. watch it. Yeah. And it is. It's really good. Um. Yeah, dude, I love Halloween. It's such a good movie. It's so good. And um, I didn't know until like last year that Jamie Lee Curtis's mom was the lead character in Psycho. I didn't either. And she was just like, yeah, that's probably why I got Halloween. Like <laughs> Jamie Lee Curtis is awesome. I don't know if anybody's yeah. read much into her. She's incredible. Like, she is. She's, she's a such, a, such a good champion. actor. And she like just owns what she does. And she's just like, yeah, my mom was a famous actress in a definitely helped me get into where i am like mm -hmm. and like her honesty on that was really cool yeah i always yeah, appreciate she's very that. down to earth i've always yeah. appreciated that about her yep so let's get into um um something that has been on my mind for a little bit i was sitting outside one day watching um lightning storms on my patio with one of my friends and we were just hanging out Looking at the rain, watching the lightning cross the sky. Always one of the best things to do if you're ever in Florida. And neither one of us had our cell phones out at the time. And so neither one of us were really doing anything but talking. Like we were just sitting there talking to each other. And I've had several opportunities where I've sat with people out on porches and watching the lightning storms. And we have had our cell phones out. And we've been typing and, and texting and looking at their crap up and all that kind of stuff. And so... I um, kind of like struck me when I was in that moment of, well, when cell phones didn't exist and maybe we'll go further than that and say maybe the internet or cell phones, I think is the biggest proponent to this for sure. But uh, when things like tech, this kind of, when you didn't have everything at your fingertips, like you had to, you had to make, make your own fun, you know, like you didn't have any games to play. There was no jetpack joyride or like, you know, angry birds or any of that kind of crap. Like you just had to sit next to the person or read a paper or talk to them. And him and I got into a very long discussion about kind of, it wasn't even really the movie inside, but it was more like, what if there were little people in every single part of your body that was controlling you instead of just your head and what that would look like and how much fun that would be to animate and like show different sides of things. And you can do a lot of different fun things on it. We just had all these really cool creative discussions about things. Mm -hmm. And then it hit me and I was just like, is this is what happens when people don't have access to things at all times. So my, my question to you and to kind of everybody out there right now is, um, do you think that 
even though it's an amazing thing and probably the greatest invention of all time, internet, like, is it, are we, are we not getting as good of creative content as we probably have been in the last 70 years without having that? Does that make sense? Are because we're not so bored anymore, are we not being as creative as an entire populace? Yeah, because it's definitely true that like time that people would have spent creating historically is now spent being entertained, right? Mm-hmm. So, in, in it, whereas before, if you were going to be sketching or writing or doodling or something, you now just flip out your phone and goof around on it. Right. And... And I, I, my thought was, it's got to be true. It has to be, right? It has to be the fact that the reason, you know, and we're, pre- I don't, I can't say that word right now, so I'm even going to try. We're, we are <laughs> theorizing that, that like the remake culture, the reboot culture, we're not only seeing it in movies now, we're seeing it in video games um, a lot. And I kind of understand that a little bit more than movies because video games have an actual reason to be upgraded and remade because of the graphical quality you can you can make a better game and represent it and make it different red is an evil too the remake on that game is incredible yeah and it's and most people were like arguing that year like well should we just give resident evil 2 with the game of the year even though it came out like mm-hmm. late 90s like technically it's a brand new game like, and so in that game is awesome but then you have all these reboots, you know, like the Ninja Turtles reboot. And like there have been like four Murder on the Orient Express movies. Why? Why do we need to keep on telling that story? Because you know? it's a fun story and everyone has their own vision of what they want to do with it. So so is it not necessarily then that the remakes are being made because we're bored. It's just that because maybe somebody else wants to do something with it. Like, I guess I'm starting to think is, are we losing IPs because of this? Oh, absolutely. Or- absolutely. We are. Um, and I, I don't think I'll just go ahead and there's so much on the table right now that it's, it's hard to, I know I'm, well, I'm, I want to try to rein it into everything. one thing because we have like 12 different things happening right now. Mm. Well, I will just go ahead and say that I think we are not less creative because of the internet. I think if anything, we're more creative. I think if you look at outlets like Twitch and YouTube and, you know, TikTok and Vine and, and just all of Snapchat, people are so clever and so creative. And the internet in our, in the palms of our hands has given us an opportunity to create on a level that never existed before. The indie film genre exists now and is like, authoritative and like has like clout in the international film community because people have such easy access to the tools to be able to tell stories and distribute stories. So I don't think we're less creative, but I think especially when you talk about reboot culture, you're talking about a very small group of people who control most of the money in Hollywood. Right. And those people are a business and those people have a responsibility to themselves and to their shareholders if their companies are public to make as much money as possible. And there is absolutely no reason to risk a new project that people don't know and don't trust when you can just make a new Star Wars movie and guarantee millions and millions and hundreds of millions of dollars in in take. Like it's just not worth it. 
Yeah, I think I think my focus maybe on the reboots is probably where I'm coming from. That yeah, and I, I don't like it. I don't. I'm not arguing for it. I want to be clear about that. But I get it. Like I see no. why it happens, and I understand why it happens. No, I do too. Absolutely. Um, and I, I'm not even saying that I'm. I'm a. I'm not. I'm not a fan. I like the new Ninja Turtle movies. I know you don't, but I do. Separate so conversation. <laughs> yeah. No, I know. That's 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 different. Um, but uh, yeah, it's just one of those uh, one of those things where I'm just like, are we? Are we? I don't know. It's kind of maybe it's maybe it's a opportunity to integrate two cultures into one, and it's like I I am. Uh, <laughs> I'm I'm creating FOMO without having the needs to, you know, because my mind is saying, well, if we didn't have all this stuff, we wouldn't, we would have more IPs. But if we didn't have all the stuff, we wouldn't have nearly as cool things, you know. Like I like movies. If we didn't have technology, that wouldn't exist. Um, I like being able to look at Twitter on my phone. Like I like I like all those things. I'm not saying I don't like it, but what would happen to me if I was just not like? Would I create more things? Probably. Um, so does that mean like, are we losing out on creators a little bit because people are being tied up elsewhere and they're not taking that chance to create? No, absolutely not. Um, there are, I think there are, there are fundamentally, I had a conversation with a buddy, um, back in college about this on a pretty regular basis. Distraction has always existed. People who want excuses to not create have always done so. They've always found reasons, whether it was mm-hmm. books or newspapers or socializing or, you know, not, not feeling, you know, the, the, the motivation or the muse strike them or whatever. Um, I think fundamentally there are two different types of people. I think there are people who love to create and that's what they love to do. It fulfills them. It, it, it makes them feel alive. And then I think there are people who love to consume. And I think there are people who just want to experience things and see stories and listen to songs and have no desire to create, you know, songs or stories of their own, but would just like gladly live their life and imbibe all of this culture. So for me, when it comes down to like entertainment and creation in general, I have always felt that there were two distinct camps. There are the creators and then there are the consumers. And I think most people at the end of the day fall into one or the other. And I think you can change camps. Um, if you want to be a creator and you are a consumer, I think you can. And if you're a creator and you want to become a consumer, I think you can. But that takes an enormous amount of work because what you're fighting against at that point is your sort of inherent taste <laughs> and your values about what you think your time should be spent doing. Yeah. Yeah. That's really interesting. I hadn't like processed it that way before, which it's whether you're not it's an interesting thing too you i think you have to be so passionate about something to be able to put it out there when you know nobody else is going to listen or watch and, or read and, and and egotistical like you have to you have to believe that you have something worth saying that people right. need to hear my right? my opinion matters listen yeah, to me exactly there has to be a certain amount of ego in the equation there does i haven't really thought about that either i think do you think there has to be a certain amount of ego to 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 be really I don't necessarily want to use successful, but um, let's throw that one in there. Successful in, in kind of your your main fields that you're in. 
or do you think it depends on what kind of field you're, you're looking at? Or do you think that kind of always exists? Like you have to have something there that says, no, we're going to do this better than everybody else. I think you have to believe in what you're doing. Okay. I don't think that necessarily means you have to believe that your thing is better than other things. It doesn't necessarily have to be competition or comparison. Right. But I definitely think you have to know that what you are doing is valuable and that what you are creating is going to contribute to the world in some new or different way, which is like circling back around to what you said about, you know, Murder on the Orient Express. I think that's why you see it told multiple times is because it's this really fun, nuanced story and everyone goes to see that movie. And I did it with Kenneth Branagh's most recent version. I went to it and I saw it and I was like, that's not how I would do it. Yes, I know right? me too. <laughs> and we all have that about most things. I think most of us do. Um, but then there's, there are some people who really will actually do something about it. <laughs> and I think that's the big difference between the creators and the consumers is creators aren't just happy sitting there watching other people's stuff. Eventually they get restless, they get frustrated, irritable, maybe depressed. You, they have to be able to like go their own way and do their own thing. Yeah. Do you think the creators are more inclined to action while the um, consumers are more inclined to opinions? I don't think it's inclination so much as it is need, especially okay. when it comes to creation. Creation is work, right? Yeah. And, it, and it's well, labor. And if you don't love what you're doing... You're not gonna. You're not gonna last long enough to see success, right? So I think, I do think that they need to create. Um, I don't think it's an inclination. I think they need to. I think it, that's ultimately at the end of the day, that's why creators create is because they need to. Um, and I think consumers definitely like to consume. And I think the the opinions are a bonus, right? Opinions like are a way to validate yourself and engage with the people you care about, about things you care about um, without necessarily having to, it's like at the end of Ratatouille, you know, talk, the notion of critics um, where, you know, it, are you really contributing anything to the world by criticizing the work that other people have done? Um and the creative work, you know, not like obviously if someone, you know, says they're going to put new tires on your car and they don't, that deserves criticism, right? Like, <laughs> right. Yeah. I'm not saying no criticism ever, <laughs> um, but I think it really does depend on like the field and the genre and, and most importantly, the individuals. I think it, it can't ever be stressed enough from me how unique every individual in this world is and how unique that perspective and that history and that, you know, that life is. And and so the notion that even even talking in these broad categories about consumers and creators, um, you have to understand that like this is this is painting, this is painting with like a roller brush, in, <laughs> yeah. instead of like you know doing pointillism, yeah. just slapping There's, some color on the canvas at this point. There's a lot of a lot of. Uh... We're just taking a bucket and just throwing it up there. Yeah. So like, here you go. This half is yellow and that half is green. Yeah. We're just put everybody in those things. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah, that's, uh, I, I do think you could, you could dive down more into it than just the, those, obviously just those kind of two consumers. And yeah, and I never, really Oh no, absolutely. But, but my efforts in those conversations back in college was to kind of distill my understanding of like, 
why some people create and some don't. Right. And like, why do some people say they want to write a book and never write their book? Whereas other people say they want to write a book and write like, like John Grisham writes like 10 books a year. Like what the heck? Yeah. No, I think there has to, and I think that's that, that, I think that a lot of, do you think a lot of people who create, um, have found their box? And, And guess what I mean by that is, um, I, I was watching the uh, the Kobe Bryant uh, tribute um, a month or so back mm-hmm. after he passed, and and that was my phone. I'm sorry. And he uh, and he was talking about how it's a disservice to yourself if you aren't trying to find that one thing that you just love and 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 is your box and you put and that's your thing and your mm-hmm. goal and. The thing that, and he's like, to me, it was basketball. Like I loved basketball more than anything else. So I just had to be the the best I I possibly could be. It's not about being like the better, like better. It's about being the best possible player that I can possibly be. Do you think that, that that's like the people who a lot of times create and have found that, that, that box for them where I just, I, I, I don't care if, you know, it's, it's an interesting thing because a lot of people, I think, look at folks and say, wow, that wasn't, that was a overnight success story. And nobody looks at the last five years of their lives where they had three listeners on their podcast for the first year and 20, the second year and the, you know, like, but they still went because this is the thing they loved in their box. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. And I think that's part of it. I think that's a piece of the puzzle. I don't think it's the whole puzzle. Um, because I think there are a lot of people who are doing work that, may not be their box, but it's work they're good at and it's work yeah. that, that comes to them relatively easily that they are successful at. And so like, you know, if, if someone really wants to be a writer, but their YouTube channel takes off and they do that instead, or someone really wants to be a YouTube star and they wind up getting dragged into a teaching classroom because they're much better at breaking down complicated ideas into simple digestible ones for developing minds. Like, I don't necessarily think that person, you know, just because a person chooses to spend their time and efforts in one area doesn't necessarily mean it's their box. It, it sort of circles back around to the idea of like, do you build up your strengths or do you build up your weaknesses? Right. Right. And, and, and at what point it, are the diminishing returns on your strengths going to come into play? And at what point are you spending eight hours on something you're not good at when you could spend 30 minutes on something you are good at and see the same results. It it, it took me a while to figure that out, that that's the main difference between somebody who's kind of a professional and then somebody who's an amateur. It's not Mm -hmm. that a lot of the times the quality isn't the same. It's the amount of time it takes them to do that. Yeah. But the more you do it, the faster you get at it. Right. Right. And that just comes with time and experience. And if you, I think it, for a lot of people, if you do like it, you stick with it long enough. But I think a lot of other people too, just really want to do the thing, do a thing. And so they'll, they'll choose a box, but it may not be their box. Um, and I think I, I don't like the idea of box just because, you know, know, the notion of being bad... boxed in. Yeah. But I get, I get like, find your passion sort of thing and follow it and do it because life is too short not to, I get that. But I think that's, that's like, I think it's easy for people to say and really hard to put into practice. Oh, you know, it's like, yeah. it's like when someone says they're depressed and you go, well, just, you know, 
stop thinking sad thoughts. It's like, wow, thanks. I'm cured. You know? Right. That's not, that's not going to get you there. Um, and I think there are a lot of people who, who choose other passions that are more attainable that wind up creating the same level of fulfillment that, that finding their passion would like a lot of people will give up on professional careers to become parents. Right. And that becomes their new dream. Mm -hmm. Right. And I, I think that's very valuable too, is to understand that what makes you happy can change. And I think people don't give themselves or each other enough room to do that. You know, flip-flopping in politics is such a, 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 a nasty term. The notion that people can't like learn more and grow and change their <laughs> right. minds yeah. is really depressing. So for me, like what it boils down to a lot, I think is just the work. Cause you know, my fiance's father is a professional entertainer and academic, and he's been wildly successful on an international level. Um, and he always says he's trained a lot of performers himself. And he says, hard work beats talent every time when talent doesn't work hard. Yeah. And, and like that at the end of the day, that's it. And someone working really hard at something they don't love as much, like I might love movies more than someone making movies, but it, they're working much harder at making movies than I am. So, yeah. you know, is that, does that mean they love movies less? And at what point is labor a reflection of passion? Well, yeah, it, it, it I had a friend once put, put all of his, all of his time in the quantities of how much he was going to get paid for that time. Mm -hmm. So like he gets paid what? $35 an hour at work. Right. Mm -hmm. So if he's going to spend time doing something for somebody and they're going to get paid for, he's like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to charge you $35 an hour because Minimum. that's how much I work. And that's how much I get paid for the work that I'm doing. Yep. Um, which I think, go ahead. Oh yeah. I hadn't really, I mean, <sighs> It, it really is something where it's not, it's really not just a saying. And I think it takes a level of dedication to it as well to understand, to not necessarily understand, but just to kind of hug the, the, the concept of how valuable time actually is. Um, and, and what you're doing, it really, um, you and I had a conversation couple, two years ago, three years ago, we were, um, actually, I, I remember this very vividly. We were, because we were getting into your uh, fiance's truck, and I always like riding in her truck. And um, we were coming away from a bar that we had been drinking at. We were in North Carolina, and we were just having a great time. And all three of us were together. And I remember, I'm pretty sure, I, I, I can tell you, I could paint the picture for you. I couldn't tell you what bar it was. But um, I asked you the question about if somebody could give you like a compliment and tell you, or tell, like, what's the most valuable thing that somebody could do or say to you? And you said spending time with me because they've chosen to take their time and put me inside of it. And I never really thought about it that way. And it kind of not necessarily like altered my, my, but it definitely put me down a path of thinking about it a little more critically thinking, you know, that you probably should. And, and I think some people maybe just do it naturally. And that's why we have friends and why we don't have like other friends, right? Like I'm not going to waste time hanging out with this person when I want to go hang out with the person who I actually want to be with, mm -hmm. you know, but I don't think a lot of folks, maybe not, maybe they do. And I'm just the lone one out processes it the way you're processing it of saying, and maybe I'm overextending, but 
if you spend time with me, like that's the greatest thing you can give me is because you could be doing anything else you want to, but you've chosen to do it with me right now. Yeah. Yeah. And I think actions really do speak louder than words. Right. And so you can say, oh man, we should really get together sometime and, you know, go for, go for a drink or we should really, you know, go on that hike and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, don't, don't say that. Like when people say that, that drives me crazy. That's one of my biggest pet peeves is when people are like, we should really do this more often. It's like, okay, call me. <laughs> like, Don't just say that. Those yeah. generic platitudinous, like, I like you. This was good. It's like, yep, that's why I'm doing it. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for uh Oh, I want to stop that. right there for a second because I, I want to ask you about that. So, so I like you. This is good. And I'm going to pick pick this one because this is just what you just said and it doesn't doesn't mean anything but i i think we've talked about this before about how important it is to tell people how much you care about them mm-hmm. and like me saying i like this this was awesome like we're doing this again like i don't know like to me I, it's not a bad thing like i guess to me i'm just gonna say yeah let's do it when you want to do it like let's go i i don't know like I, I could very easily see myself sending that exact text message to you. Like, hey, man, I like this. Or yeah. I like and I think intent factors in a lot there. And I think a lot of it is born out of like your relationship to the person saying it. Um, the reason I think I have developed such negative connotations with phrases like that is because I've been friends with a lot of people who don't put in the effort to show up for their relationship unless mm-hmm. I make something happen. Yeah. So. And I have become guilty of that as well these days, but like there would, there was always like three or four people who I knew would never coordinate anything. And they would always say, well, we should definitely do this again. And what they were saying was, I want you to put in the work to do this again for me. Mm -hmm. Right. And I get, I get really tired of that. And I, the notion of like, we should really get together. It's like those vague, like pledges don't mean a lot because it's like mm-hmm. yeah we should we should also wash our hands and not touch <laughs> our faces right yeah. like okay yeah. that doesn't really help me um but i get what you're saying and i think in in the enthusiasm of the moment like there are right ways to do it right it's like anything there there are right ways to to say those things just like there are right ways to propose to someone <laughs> there are right ways to say what? i love you no yeah like there are there are no you wrong can, ways to you, propose. You can well, we can do a whole episode about that if you want. Um, I'm not giving you all my proposal ideas. You no, no, got that. I, no. I'm gonna, yeah. I'm just going to give you a laundry list of bad ones. That'll yeah. be great, and we'll make <laughs> we'll just, sure that you're not making any terrible mistakes in the list of things you want to do. Um, no, I will. Yeah. Um, dang man, I had a thought too, and it just left me because we started talking about proposals, and it's not even on my mind. I just, I don't know why. Okay, we can circle back around. We were talking about um, the notion that, oh my gosh, I'm blanking too because now I'm thinking about weddings and going out for a beer with you. Time and people spending oh, time. I guess what I was going to ask you. I, I, and so um, I had somebody ask me this a while back because um, I have people cancel on me. Not a lot, but like. People are so flaky. Yeah. And I, I don't care at, at all. Like you cancel on me. Cool. I get to go home and play video. I, and also it kind of depends on who it is. Like if it's somebody yeah. that I really am, I, 
it's an interesting thing because they they were talking with me about it and it was bothering them at the time that some of their friends were canceling on them or not following up and they asked me how I usually dealt with it because I had a bunch of friends who kind of did that to me and I said I just I don't know I'm not I don't really care because <laughs> like they're my friends like I know that I'm going to hang out with them again and if I don't hang out with them again then they don't want to be my friend you know like they've made that choice like and I mean I don't know if that makes me a little heartless or anything, or I don't it's know. Little, it's just one. Of, it's a little black and white, <laughs> but like it's it, it, uh, that. Yeah, you're right. That statement was a little black and white, but it's, it's more than that because I'm probably going to still reach out to them, ask them to hang out, you know, yeah. because if I want to hang out with somebody, I'm going to, I'm going to try to hang out with them and I'm just going to try. And if they don't yeah. want to hang out with me, I'll probably try a couple times, two or three times. And if they never make, make a move on it, then I'll just drop it and say, all right, let's move on. Like, yeah, but I, I have, I, I have a really good friend who, uh, uh, him and I like, it's not even like we wanted to cancel on each other and we don't, but like when the other person did cancel on the other person, it was just like, you've given me a gift of the night. Like, mm -hmm. and I don't know why, because I love hanging out with you and we have a really good time every time we hang out. But when you cancel, it's like, I get to stay at home and watch a movie that I didn't think I was going to be able to watch tonight. Like, this is awesome. Um, I don't know. I, I, yeah. I think I've been fortunate of having really, really compassionate friends towards me. I think, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if that sounds bad or anything, but no, it does. And I think, I think that's probably a healthier way of dealing with it than the way I deal with it, which is just like, don't do it because like, it's just, it feels disrespectful to both of us. Like mm -hmm. if we agree to do something, let's do the thing. And if you don't want to do it anymore, say that or don't make plans with me, yeah. but don't, don't agree to plans and cancel two or three times in a row right. to make me decide that to make it, make it my choice that I should stop asking you to hang out. Yeah. Like, but just, nobody wants to like tell them some, tell somebody to go away. Yeah. But know? everyone is agreeing like in, in, in an age where we're like really on like social media so much and like working towards like, you know, a digital dating world, like, being upfront with people about what you need and what your expectations are is so healthy and that's mm -hmm. fine. <laughs> so yes, it's hard because we come from a culture that says we shouldn't be honest with ourselves or each other <laughs> yeah. because it's not nice. And like niceness is often the enemy of happiness for everybody because you're both sitting there trying to be nice and no one is happy. <laughs> it's like, why bother? Yeah, What's the point? That's an interesting thing too, because you know, <sighs> It's always, it's always the, the, nobody wants to also get rejected either or, or be the one, I don't know, or be the one to reject folks, I guess. Like, I think it's about reframing. I don't think it's about rejection. I think it's about knowing your needs and knowing your boundaries. It's like, and I think I was lucky enough to, to discover that at an age where I was a dating age. And so what I learned very quickly was like, you date people and some people break up with you and you break up with some people. And it's like, you're not out there telling these people they're bad people. You're just deciding it's not a fit. Right. And that's a lot of the feedback that you hear about job interviews too, is it's like, don't take it personally. This doesn't mean you're a bad person or a bad candidate. It's just not a good fit. I, uh, I got to sit on my first interview the other day and it's fascinating being on the other side of the table. Mm -hmm. Have you had to do interviews? I did about three or four when I was working at the Biltmore Estate. Yeah, yeah, I thought you may have. 
all the things that you are a lot of times nervous about and like worried about as the person that's not conduct that's being interviewed uh, doesn't come through a lot of the time like like you could tell that the person that we were interviewing was trying to find some, we ended up hiring this person, but the person that we were interviewing was like trying to find words or like they were like lost in their thoughts a little bit, or they may have paused for like three seconds and you know, the pause to them felt like forever three minutes, like yeah. 10 minutes, but it only was like two seconds to us. Um, I think everybody kind of should go through that and it's not everybody gets a chance to, but like there is a lot of value in crossing over to the other side of things. And seeing it, I always tell folks that everybody should record themselves having a conversation with people like you and I do, and then listen back to it an hour every week because it teaches you a ton about how to respond to folks and like cues and like, oh, this person said this and I said that. Oh, I didn't pay attention to what they were saying at all. I should have definitely gone down this path instead. Um, I think it's, I think it's, it's, it's really, really valuable. Um, Linguistic empathy. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Empathy. It's not my strongest suit, but, but we're getting there, you know? I don't, I don't care. <laughs> yeah. But dumb tish. <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, we've strayed a little bit. Let's circle back have. around to creativity. Um, we have strayed a bit. Talking about reboots, like, I always come back to Brendan Fraser's The Mummy because this is a movie. Gosh, that, movie's so good. Yeah. And in this day and age, it would never get made. Right. Because it's just too silly. It's it's kind of out of left field. Like no one's going to you don't trust audiences to show up for it. And at the time, it was like really popular and did really well and spawned like a couple of sequels and movies like that that are just fun and original and just like just raw entertainment. Like, you know, like those are those happened a lot for a while and then they kind of died off a lot. So. Was that are you are you saying that was an IP or are you saying that was a fun reboot? I th- no, it was an IP. Okay, because like, there was a movie that came out in 1933 called The Mummy. Yeah, was, I know, I, and it was not a reboot of The Mummy because it was <laughs> no, it was like 80, it was like 70 years later with an entirely different plot. It had a mummy in it that was literally they both had mummy in the title as probably about as similar as they were. Were they both produced by Universal? That would be the question. Because if they question. were, I do not then know. It would, technically be a reboot i do um, not know but um yeah that i miss those movies and i talked to a lot of folks about that lately and i think that's a lot and maybe it's because i'm not in the space anymore like i was when the moment came out it came out in like 99 i think mm-hmm. so i would have been prime like teenager brendan Fra- perfect brendan fraser mode you know yep. and you know and so it's it's you don't you don't see a lot of those those type of actiony or I don't want to necessarily like family friendly, I guess is, is the best term I can use for mm-hmm. it, but it's, I think that it's just a sector missing right now. And I haven't seen very many, just you, you hit it on the head, man. Just like fun, weird, interesting, kind of like everybody unique. can watch this. Unique. Like, and that's yeah. the opposite of reboot of the reboots that we see these days is unique. And, like, even though it was super formulaic, like, you know, it, it ticks all these boxes, it was also, like, unlike anything I had seen. It was a lot of fun. Like, it reminded, it gave me vibes from, like, the first Jurassic Park movie and, like, Back to the Future, where it's, like, it just had, this sense of adventure and this yes. sense of, like, newness to it that you didn't often experience. 
Yeah, and I, I miss that 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 fun sense of adventure where you're just maybe that's where some of these Marvel movies are kind of filling some of those spaces a little bit. Yeah, um, where you just have these, you know, it, the Mummy Brendan Fraser was somebody who was a superhero along the level of a man. You know, I guess like he was he was I don't know he wasn't even that. Like I love. I love Brendan Fraser. I think all of his stuff has been awesome. And yeah. I, I, we watched, I really we watched Tarzan the other day. Or no, uh, George, George of the, the Jungle. Jungle. Yeah, it was so good. It's, it's so such good. a good movie. Yeah. Uh, I, I miss, I really miss that style of, of entertainment. Yeah. Just, and maybe it's out there. Maybe that's where I'm watching my cartoons or that kind of stuff. Yeah. So I'm filling that void now yeah. with that. But it's certainly true that mainstream Hollywood got gritty. Like they wanted to get gritty. They wanted to be more approachable, more realistic, more. Yeah human i guess which i guess makes sense but also like part of the fun of going to movies is that element of escapism right like i don't need to see the dirt on iron man's suit every time to trust that he's iron man (laughs) yeah we really are there there really was something about those just really bombastic 90s action movies yeah that are just great yeah you just throw it on and it was an era it was really it felt like an epoch in terms of like the arc of hollywood where there was a, everyone was like taking it to the next level, trying new stuff, experimenting, getting playful. It was great. It was yeah. very fun. And then, I don't know. I think part of it, and this is going to sound a little tinfoil hat, so bear with me. Um, I think the move towards grittiness really happened after 9-11. And I think our country really kind of turned in on itself in a lot of different ways, good and bad. Um, but I think a lot of that was like reflected in our entertainment and what happened after that. And like the notion that we weren't, we didn't want the bubblegum entertainment anymore because we didn't, we had been kind of shaken out of that reality, you know, like it was, it was too much to, it was too soon to believe in magic again. Yeah. No, you know, you're right. Like, well, I mean, when did um, Batman Begins come out? I think 2005. Like, you had all of these yeah. ridiculous Batman movies, and then you get the most grounded superhero movie we've seen about this is how Batman would probably exist in a real world. Yeah. And and, and that's like a, that's kind of like a direct, like, you know, okay, the, you know, we can take things that are, that are, have been fun in the past and we're making them gritty and dark now. And I think a lot of folks our age and maybe a little bit kind of around our age really, really like that stuff. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, I liked, I really, I really like dark movies and dark, dark comedies and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, as I'm complaining about missing out on the other stuff, you know, yeah. <laughs> creating the circle loop of being the problem of paying to go see these movies, but wanting the other ones. It's ebbs and flows, you know, it's like, it's, it, it circles back around. Oh my gosh. It, it gets there. This is perfect. So do you watch uh, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia at all? No, I, yeah. and, and I will tell you why. Um, I get that it's got a lot of cleverness to it, um, but I also really think it gives itself way too many liberties. It just gets really gross. Sometimes like yeah. really gross, like makes me feel really yucky as a human being, like in mm-hmm. my soul. Okay. So, and I also just like fundamentally don't think that a bunch of people screaming is humor. <laughs> yeah. Right. That feels real. And and that, that is basically like the punchline of every scene. They don't, they don't have a laugh track, do they? No. But they, but by the end of the scene, you know, Charlie is screaming and a couple other people are screaming and, and then they cut away to something else and they start building themselves up to screaming again. 
Yeah, that's fair. I really like it. We're in the middle of season 14. And the, the reason I wanted to bring it up, though, is the last episode we watched was about this like exact thing it was really cool so they're like getting pulled in at a mall to screen a movie or something like that and it's this movie that they're really excited about they loved all of the other three ones like it was the fourth movie in this series and then they sat down with the market research person and they just started trashing it because they hated it and she's like well how do you guys watch these movies and they're like well we watch them by streaming and online it's like okay so you're pirates you steal them it's like no well what sites do you watch them i don't know movies.arg and (laughs) piratemovies.com yeah i guess we are stealing yep you're right we're pirates and she's like well we changed the movie because nobody went and saw it anymore so we thought we weren't making money off of it and like Mm -hmm. it's just kind of that like i i think that really fits here as 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 the and I think that that has something to do with it, too, where a lot of time, like p- movies are not making money in the theaters on a large basis as they were before you were able to take them from the Internet. I don't think that's the fault of consumers, though. I think pirates exist. Piracy is bad. Yes, it's illegal. Um, but like I, if pi- and people, you know, you see you see all those time like piracy is theft. It's like actually piracy is not theft. It's piracy because theft, you take something away piracy you make a duplicate like it's, it is different and mm-hmm. it's important to identify that it is different first no um, I, i'm not saying that it's but that's, but i'm let me let me let me just say you, i could you do your thing. like so hollywood has not kept up the film industry has not really kept up i think netflix kind of pulled them out of the fire because they were in they were in a tailspin for a while um and i think like they just it's one of the things that kills me is I love movie theaters. There's something magic about a movie theater. Mm-hmm. For me. The experience of being in a dark room with a bunch of people, like experiencing something for the first time together. That's really special. And like, if you, if you were busy doing things like market research and pulling people and like not tracking numbers of illegal downloads and like watching market trends in those arenas as well, you're doing yourself a disservice. And so if, if you are using all the metrics that you've used over the last 50 years, for now, then of course it's going to feel inconsistent, right? Of course your results are going to be skewed and your, your data that you, cause the data you're pulling from is from the outliers, right? You're not, you're not following the bell curve. Yeah. I think, I think what I was, what my main thing, like kind of wrapping back around to the original idea of not necessarily reboots, but just the idea of how like entertainment is, 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 mostly I don't want to necessarily say that but a lot of Hollywood as you said is greedy and about making money right well it's a business and I think business by itself isn't inherently bad no and I'm not saying that I guess what I'm saying is is that some of the chances are not being taken because oh yeah we are we go see movies in the theater that make money because and those are not always the most creative and best amazing movies yeah Right. You know, and I think that was kind of where I wanted to go with that as more of a and I don't necessarily think piracy. I think they were blowing out a little out of a portion of that's the reason. But like I get the, I get what they're the, saying, though. The content you're going to make is going to be based upon where the money gets followed, I guess. You know, we're going to follow and the money. That's, so and that's that's and that's what I'm saying is that's that's a false flag. Like if you set yourself up to only follow the money in 2020 like in a digital age where so much of this stuff is happening behind the screen, 
then you're setting yourself up to be misled because because the raw money isn't where all this stuff is going on. And so you do yourself a disservice by yeah. only focusing on that. Oh, I, I, I agree uh, as well. I, I just don't know if we are. I think we're, I don't know. I think, I don't know. I'm not sure if we're out of it. I'm not cupped up with all the new movies yet, but it's, uh, there's a lot of good movies coming out. So it's not that. Yeah. Well, not right now there aren't. <laughs> well, no. Everything just right got now, halted. Did you just see that the, the new Batman movie production got halted um, for the foreseeable future? Like, oh. like indefinitely. Ugh. That's not good. That's heartbreaking. Yeah. But I mean, that's the way that industry works, right? It's a, it's a, it's cogs spinning. And, and when one, when the whole machine shuts down, it's like things rust. <laughs> so I'll be very curious to see what Hollywood looks like in another year, year and a half. Yeah. I, I am, I am, I'm not, I don't want to say scared, but like timid. No, I don't timid's the wrong word. I don't know. I'm not a wordsmith. I can't produce, but, um, I'm interested to see where this is going after after we get finished with the quarantine situation, the shelter in place and kind of all of that. Yeah. Like when we emerge from our COVID canoe cocoon, like as yeah. as wonderful people that have no I have built up immunities to this thing now that um, well, I want I want to see where we're at with kind of everything yeah. with it's going to be a brave it, new world. Yeah, it really is. And it's it's kind of ex- it's definitely a little scary but it's like exciting. Like I'm excited to 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 move forward and see. It's a shakeup. Yeah, it's definitely a change and some people do well with it and some people do not. Some yeah. industries do well with it and some do not. Yeah. Yeah, let's it, it's going to be it's going to be fascinating for sure. Um I'm watching a movie right now that literally just showed three or four different still drawings. And that was it. And a lot of the backgrounds have been integrated with real backgrounds and animation in the front. It's a wild movie. It's awesome. Is this who framed Roger Rabbit? No, it's um, <laughs> good guess. Uh, it's Wizards. Have you ever heard of Ralph Bakshi? Oh, yeah, I've heard of this movie. I, I've never I watched it. I tried feel, and it, it like gave me a headache. <laughs> I feel like you would not like any of his stuff. <laughs> yeah, probably. Like, it's like the exact opposite of what you like. This is like incredibly dark and like, and, and like I, I, I love this movie. I think it's really I watched it when I was really, really young, when I went to a friend's house. Um, and it's uh it's probably why I like this style of animation so much. And like this, all the, it's just so creative and weird. It's, it's wonderful. Um, I thought about using this as, I'll, I will never make you try to guess this movie because um, there's no, uh, there's no, there's no reason to make you guess it in your like weird independent movie that I only watch. Yeah. That's cheating. Well, well this is definitely a cult movie though. I mean, it, it, oh, like, it I've seen it around a lot. People talk about it a lot. And this was in an age where Disney was dominating the movie theaters, so taking it in this direction was kind uh, of. Um, it's also really interesting because this movie was distributed by 20th Century Fox, um, huh. which I thought was really interesting because it's an indie movie, but distributed by them. Yeah. Um, kind of because this was came out in like I think '77 is when Wizards came out, mm-hmm. and Disney kind of fell off a little bit in the late '70s early mid eighties in their movies. They weren't, they weren't really making a whole lot on the studios on the animation style. Mm-hmm. That's, that's why they brought in all their, that's another thing you guys should go watch right now is waking sleeping beauty. If you can watch waking sleeping beauty on yes. Disney plus, you should. It's awesome. That's a magical show. Yeah, it really is. 
um, it gives you a good look into Walt Disney Studios animation in like every single movie from from your childhood <laughs> if you're mm-hmm. our age. So it's wonderful. Interesting fact about that. They thought Pocahontas was going to be super popular and Lion King was going to bomb. Yeah. So Pocahontas was being put on their A-team animation studios from yep. what I remember. And Lion King wasn't. And then yep. Lion King and I'm just... As you know. Yeah. Well, I mean, that shows how, like, even before the internet age, really, studios still didn't know what was going to work and what isn't. People are people, man. People are unpredictable. You can never really tell, which is part of why it's so fun. No, absolutely. And that's why it's hard. It's really difficult to make a movie that people like. Like, it's there are so many movies out there that nobody ever sees. I think it's really, really, uh, it's really difficult do you do you consider um, what do we what what do we con- what do we think about stuff like The Lion King? And I, I'm using this just because of an, it's a recent example, but because um, we've talked a lot, a lot about Disney, so I don't always want to keep it there. But movies that are based upon something in the past, like Lion King, is based upon Hamlet, um, and then you have all these other movies based upon fairy tales. Um, are those considered reboots, or are they just? Retail. I mean, I don't know. Like, uh, I think we be retail. Yeah, retellings. I think yeah. is is the word I would use, and it's different than a reboot because a, and it's sort of like what is the all all squares are rectangles, but not all rectangles are squares, right? It's like that. Yes, it's that's like it. so. It's like all reboots are retellings, right? But not all retellings are reboots. Right. And I think, like, I, I'm, I have nothing against retellings. Like, I love stories. I think they're fun. And I think part of what makes retellings and even reboots fun is that you get different voices yes, telling I the agree. stories. And so you see different focuses. You see different experiences. Like, it's great. And I love it. Um, I just don't want that to be all. You know? Right. And that's that's where I start to kind of, like, get a little bit indignant about the reboot culture in Hollywood is just the awareness that like we're missing out on some really great stuff yeah. because of this sort of fear but of not. You've, you've, you've kind of pushed me in a direction of, I'm not sure if we are missing out on a lot of stuff. I think we are. I think we are missing out on some stuff. I don't know I if we're missing out we on a ton though. No, when a, when a small group of people has that much control over so much okay. distribution, yes, we yeah. are missing out on a lot. That's fair. I mean, if you look at like the the people in charge of the Oscars, right? Like, well, right. They've they've gotten better about it recently, but like for the longest time, it was just like ten old white, rich old Hollywood white dudes sitting in a room, and it's like that's not an equitable representation of public perspective. (laughs) Like, yeah, that could be kind of said about almost any award show, though. Yeah, like, but I, I like, think it's true of creation too. Like when when you talk about stuff on that scale, like there are not a lot of people who have the funds to be able to produce something like that. And if you don't have the funds to go for the marketing to, right. to fill the seats, it's sort of a, a negative feedback loop where you, the the group that can't afford to do it gets smaller and smaller. Yeah, which, which is why it's um, always fun when you've got someone like Guillermo del Toro who is out there doing original stuff. Mm-hmm. Like you've got a handful of directors who have proven themselves with one or two really groundbreaking films that have given them license in Hollywood. Too. Yes. 
do their own thing. Yeah. And I think so that that's, what's encouraging for me is the awareness that like these people are, um, these people are out there and you know, the indie film movement is only continuing to grow. Mm -hmm. So, you know, tying it back into the initial idea, I do, I absolutely do not think we are less creative than we were. I think if okay. anything, we're more creative because we have more tools with which to be creative. Yeah. Right. Like we did old, you know, back in like 1600, they had paint, they had drawing and they had reading and writing. And that was pretty much it. I now we've got photography, we've got, you know, video, like it just, it's getting more and more nuanced and more and more fun. Yeah. We're adding and tools to the toolkit. Um, I think, I think a lot of this has to do with, um, perception upon access to information as well. If I said that correctly, maybe not, but we, we have so much access to information that it's very difficult to hide something now. And so you could make Lion King based upon Hamlet's right now. And nobody really knows because nobody knows what nobody had the internet in 1991 they couldn't you know they didn't that's a bad example but we can pick a different one too but i guess what i'm just trying to say is is that like i don't necessarily think at this point that we are any we are getting any less or more ips than we pretty much almost ever have other than the initial run of i mean obviously when books were invented writing or when <laughs> uh music or movies when that all kind of came about you're always going to have these creative people but you're always going to have people also copying what the populace is but now we know what that is does that make sense like when you are rebooting ninja turtles i know that you're rebooting ninja turtles if ninja turtles came out in 1977 or whatever it did it didn't but if it say it did say it came out then and then it was rebooted in like 91 but it was an indie film in 77 rebooted in 91 you may not know about that. So you may not even know that it's like that thing. But we know every single time something is rebooted that it's a reboot because we have the internet to tell us that it's a reboot. So we kind of already go into that idea um, knowing that. I think that has a lot to do with it too. I'm not sure. It's. I think I'm kind of like maybe changing a little bit where I don't necessarily know if we are getting any more or less now. We just have more information to understand that we're not getting tricked anymore. Does that make sense? Yeah, and I think mass dissemination of information definitely contributes to consumer savviness. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right. Like we yes. obviously are more informed consumers than we ever have been. That is a good we way to push. We are more savvy than we have been. That's what yes. I was trying to go for. Yeah, but I also think that because our savviness has gone up, but film, I think a lot of the filmmaker savviness has been poured into like CGI. And like right. trying, trying to make films work on a scale that's so large and so grand that you lose sight of that story's happening. Right. And I, I, like even Lord of the Rings, like, you know, set this precedent where if in a fantasy movie, you don't have two big armies charging at each other across a field. People won't producers have this idea that people won't want to go watch it. And so you mm -hmm. had that in like the, the lion, the witch and the wardrobe. And it was like, come on. Like, <laughs> right. Like if I wanted to watch Lord of the Rings, I'd watch Lord of the Rings. Like tell, tell your story. Yeah. I think that's, that's really all we, we really want. And, and, and that's what I want. Like I, if your story is, is wanting to reboot and read and do the fifth version of murder on Orient Express and you're passionate about that, please go ahead and do it. You know, mm -hmm. 
but yeah, tell your story. Yeah. As long as it's passionate, that helps. Um, but understand that just because you're passionate about telling a story that other people have told a dozen times doesn't mean that they're going to want to sit through it again. No, <laughs> definitely not. And like, as long like you just got to go on and understand that. And that's kind of yeah. the thing is like, even wrapping back to what we were saying earlier is you producing and creating stuff because that's your need and wants to do it. not necessarily the outcome of what's going to happen because of that. Mm-hmm. Like you're creating because you want to do that and have that passion to create something and you want it to be good and you think it's going to be good and it may not, but that's what you want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's so hard because we, we just don't have intentions, you know, and they matter and, and it sucks because we, you know, we can't go to an exec and say, why did you make this movie? I don't have access to that. And if you did, do you trust them? Probably not. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, like. We'll, I'll just touch on this one time as much as I as I didn't want to talk about it earlier. Just the Disney remakes. Was their intention to make money? Probably. Did they tell us that they want to create these stories for a whole new generation? They did. Could that be their real intention? It absolutely could. Will we believe them? Probably not. You know, like it's so difficult to really get into into like real intentions. Yeah. Yeah, and intention at the end of the day doesn't sell, right? So it doesn't really matter. It just affects consumer perspective. And well, it doesn't matter well, as far as money goes, but I think it matters uh, upon. I think consumer perspective absolutely matters, though, when it comes to that kind of stuff. Oh no, it absolutely does. But what what is really a big deal and a hang up for me on the Disney reboots um, is for me, it's really the idea that Walt, when he was alive had a standing rule that they would not do reboots, okay. right? There would not be sequels. There would not every, every new, he was always onto the new big right. thing. And that's yeah. part of what he was an innovator. Like he, he, he was the first animator to put sound to animation. Like, like steamboat Willie was innovative because of that. And so the notion that we have, regressed that their creativity has regressed to a point where they say hey that story we told 10 years ago let's do it again except slightly differently that's like (laughs) yeah okay no i know you yeah it uh, it's just that's what makes me sad is when when the integrity of a company's soul is compromised for the sake of money and yes you can tell it for a new generation but like wait another 10 or 15 years, like at least give <laughs> yeah. it 30 or 40, like give, give another generation a chance to like have some kids or whatever. Yeah. Um, uh, do you think, and we're going to tangent off this a second because I, I want to know your opinion on this. Do you think that um, the legacy of Walt Disney is a detriment to current Disney? Mm, only or you, in so do you far think as people like me hold it up to them as a mirror that they yes. are failing to be reflected in. Yeah. I, I, and I think a lot of times, not necessarily that, because I think the way you're, you're doing it is a little bit different than, than um, a lot of the folks that I've dealt with at Disney, where it's, oh, this is not how Walt would do it, so we can't do it this way. Or I don't know. I just you I being there, you hear that a lot. Like mm-hmm. you hear about what would Walt do and what would this do, and Walt would be the first person to tell you that you should probably forget what I'm going to do and do everything you possibly can to push forward to do your own thing. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and I I think so. I don't think I think when you have a founder who is that impactful, you are always going to be haunted by him, right? 
So Apple, Microsoft, when Bill passes on, like these companies that had such monster personalities, when they, when they move away from leadership, um, they really just leave this vacuum. Yeah. And that can't ever be filled, especially no. when, especially when you've got a company like Disney that, that totes him so proudly. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's- so I would say they are haunted by him. Definitely. But on purpose. I think they keep yeah. his ghost around because they don't have anybody to fill those shoes and nobody ever will fill those shoes. And so they use his memory and his uh, legacy as a way to remind the world where they came from. So we don't get more mad at them for where they're going. Yes. Yeah. I, I don't know. I was always frustrated by that, but yeah, I think you're right on there too. Um, well, anything, um, we've gotten off a little bit and wrapped up a little bit around Disney as we always do. We got to stop talking about Disney so much. I'm sorry. Um, or not, maybe that's just our passion and we got to admit it to ourselves, right? Maybe that's our box. Oh, dang. I don't want to, I don't want to think about that right now. Uh, this is not <laughs> the time. Uh, this is not the time to go into that because you, yeah. But with shelter in place, you've got plenty of time to think it over. Gosh. Yeah. Well, this is, um, Anything else you have to add to this? No, I think I think don't don't get don't get down in the dumps about the direction of creativity. Like re- remember the good stuff. Like mm-hmm. we live in a world where LeVar Burton can say, "I want to read for people to, for free," and Neil Gaiman says, "Okay, you can have my entire library. Read whatever yeah. you want." Like yeah. we live in that kind of world right now, and that's amazing and it's so cool. And yeah, there are some things that we wish could be better, but like, that's what drives creators to create in the first place is they want to make things better. Yeah. Right. They want to do it, but better. (laughs) So I I think it's a matter of perspective and I encourage everyone, especially, you know, I'm sure this will be released well into quarantine. Hopefully we're on the other side of it, but if not, Mm -hmm. just remember to keep, keep a positive, keep a positive outlook because your your attitude is something that no one can take away from you. Yep. That well said, man. I'm I'm not even going to add anything. That we're just going to end it right there. Thank you guys so much for listening, though. Like yeah. that, that was that was fun. Let's do it but again. We're going to keep talking you know, we, about we it should, forever. We should do this again sometime. Like next week. We should. And well, you know, we'll see. Just we'll just do it again sometime. Okay. You know? <laughs> All right. We'll leave it open. Maybe we'll maybe we'll make an appointment. We'll see. <laughs> Um, thank you so much for listening again. We hope you're staying safe and um, finding some ways to enjoy yourself during the shelter in place quarantine. It's going to get better. It will. And, um, we're going to get through it and we'll make it, but, um, let us know, email us infinite pulp at, um, whatever it is. It's going to be podcast at infinite pulp.com. I'll get it eventually. Um, but I'm Aaron and uh, you can find me on all the things. Mostly. I'm mostly on Twitter, Instagram, damp 3d mango, and um, I'm going to let Max go. Max, sign off. And I am Max Baron Reed. You can find me at Max Baron Reed at YouTube, at Twitter, Gmail, and Instagram. Awesome. Yeah. Have a good night, man. Thank you so much for spending some time with me. Yeah. Enjoy the rest See of the See y'all evening. later. Yeah. yeah.